0: Welcome to the Meal Mentor Podcast. I'm your host, Lindsay S. Nixon. This is the 21st episode in the co-pilot series where we can chat about making the plant-based lifestyle more doable, especially while facing the common challenges and roadblocks we all face on our journey to better health and weight loss. I'm really excited about today's guest. He has an incredible story of his own, but his story has empowered him in so many other ways, including becoming a public speaker, and now he's put together this amazing Food Equals Medicine conference that I'm going to be speaking at, and we're going to tell you a lot more about that, and I hope you come and join us in Atlanta. It's going to be amazing. But before we jump in any deeper, let me give a big hand in welcoming Benji. Hey, Benji.
1: Hey, Lindsay. How are you?
0: Thank you so much for coming on the podcast today.
1: Well, thanks for the invite. I appreciate it.
0: Yeah, I'm really excited to talk not only about your incredible story, which I saw was recently featured on Forks Over Knives, so congrats there, and we're going to have you as a Herbie of the Week on Happy Herbivore, but also um, you're just such an inspiration to me because so many people want to spread this word. Like They feel like they're in on this big, huge secret, and they want to help You know, outreach and get it out there, and you're really doing that with this conference. I'm hoping you can give some tips for people who either want to do their own conference or just want to do some kind of outreach. You know, how to talk about it. But before we get there, and we talk about the amazing conference at the end, and I I know you've got a big discount ticket for everyone. um, Maybe you can tell us a little bit about yourself.
1: Sure. Well, um, I live in Atlanta with my wife and have lived in Georgia. I was born here and spent most of my life here with a few detours out of the state for work went back in my an earlier career. And um, But I've been, I consider myself a lifelong Georgian and went to uh, school in Athens, home of the University of Georgia, and went to college here in Atlanta at Emory University and was always um, heavy, fat, whatever you want to call it, overweight. I was always a big guy um, starting probably late elementary school or middle school, I think we called it then. And just uh, when I went to college in the '90s, uh, I, I went overweight. But at the end of the four years, I was definitely more than overweight. I was I was very heavy. And then as the years went on, my habits didn't really improve. And before you know it, um, I was 278 pounds at the at my heaviest on my five foot five frame, which oh is which gosh. is really large.
0: Yes, it's very big for five five.
1: So, um, you know, I, I tried every, every uh, fad diet, game, weight loss, uh, book, program, point counting thing you can think of. I did Jenny Craig, I did Weight Watchers, I did Low Carb, I did Atkins, I did South Beach. Uh, I, I even went as far as to sort of come up with a hybrid of my own of what I thought, having read all of the products, mostly the Low Carb, book products that are out there of what I thought was clearly the healthiest diet and the way to lose weight which was lean protein and vegetables and no carbs or very limited carbs and as you know that is definitely a successful way to lose weight it's not a successful way to keep weight off because at some point you're gonna to have to stop eating that way your body will force you to stop eating that way and when, when, the, when the fun's over and you're back doing what you did before all the weight that you lose comes roaring back, and usually you add some on top from where you started. And I experienced that yo-yo for many, many years with many different diets and plans. And uh, that that was frustrating to be as big as I was. And everything changed for me Memorial Day weekend. So just over two years ago from from right now, my wife and I were home on Memorial Day weekend, which we just celebrated. And I love documentaries. I was actually a film major at Emory, and so I've always been partial sort of a film geek, and I love documentary films. And we were just perusing what was available that day on the DVR, and there's this Forks Over Knives thing, which I had flipped by several times, and I read the description, read some reviews, and I said, yeah, that looks interesting. Why not? I'll check it out. And so we watched the film, and my life changed that day in May of 2013.
0: And that was it, just the movie and you were sold.
1: It really, it really was. The movie is, is what did it. And people always say, you know, how did you find it? Or were you, were you looking for for something different? Were you just looking for yet another diet? And the answer was, to be honest, no. I was not looking for, hey, it's time to go find a, a diet. I need to go. It's time to lose weight. I truly wasn't even in that place. the The movie found me. And although I was very heavy, I was 258 when we when we found the film which was not my heaviest but certainly close to it i knew that i needed to lose weight but i was not at the point of saying oh i need to go figure out what's next i need to it's time to go low carb again it's time to go on a diet i was pretty content sitting on the couch all 258 pounds of me just clicking through looking for films yeah you, so you it's were not-
0: like i'd accepted that this wasn't going to change
1: yeah, I mean, basically I knew, quote unquote knew, that if, when I was ready to lose another 30 or 40 pounds, which was usually the amount of the yo-yo back and forth, that it would, I would just low carb it again and it was time to, to get turkey burgers and, and um, lots of broccoli cooked in butter and olive oil and salmon fillets from Costco and get back to doing my three mile walk. Which I used to do every day, and that would drop thirty or forty pounds, and you know, that's that's essentially what I had to look forward to. I didn't really know that there was another option that made sense. And when I watched the film, the science made sense. You know, I, I'm very science math minded. I am not a creative person, I'm a science math type. And so when I see things that are scientifically sound that make sense to me. Those are, I'm drawn to those ideas and everything that I saw about Dr. Esselstyn and Dr. Campbell's research in Forks Over Knives, all of the science, all of this anecdotal evidence from these people who had reversed their chronic conditions and getting off their pills and losing all this weight and keeping it off, it just sort of made sense to me. And although I was doing the low carb thing for several years in various forms, none of that really actually made sense to me. It didn't, it didn't click scientifically that humans evolved to not eat any carbohydrates and to eat as much fat and meat and vegetables as we wanted to it just that didn't make sense and obviously or not obviously for those who don't know the, the way that these low, low carb diets work essentially is that you put your body into ketosis so that your body starts to burn fat stores because it thinks that it is going into starvation mode. you're making yourself sick essentially and That never really made sense to me as a really, that uh, that was the smart idea of how to lose weight. But yet I did it because from everything that I could tell and from, uh, you know, what I would say the American public believes, low-carbing it and even paleo, which is a form of low, the the newest version of low-carb, they all say the same things, which is carbs make you fat, fat's okay, protein's okay, vegetables are okay, and stay away from carbs and lose weight. And when you do that, you do lose weight, but you know, you can lose weight getting chemotherapy too.
0: Right. Right. And
1: that doesn't mean it's a good idea.
0: Absolutely. And that was one thing you said early on, and when you were going through that, low carb does work, and people are often surprised when I admit that it does. They, they can't believe it because, you know, it's so against the lifestyle that we live. But it's true that it does work, but so does, like you said, ke- being in chemo or starving. And I yeah. <laughs> don't recommend either of those things, but it does work, and I often refer to it as a vanity diet because, yes, as you have said from your own experience, you will lose weight, but you'll make yourself very sick in the process. And you you're not going to feel good, and I was the same way. I did to little carb, too, and I was the same as you as it didn't. Makes sense to me. Like, even though I always thought, like, maybe I should be eating tons of butter and meat, like, I still, like, the science wasn't making sense to me. And I was like, why am I putting my body? In this extreme place, you know, the number one fuel source for the body is carbohydrates. And what happens is when there is no carbohydrates because you're, you know, on an island or you're a prisoner or something, your body will start breaking down proteins to keep you alive. And that's, but you're forcing your body to go straight there. And I, it just, it never really seemed to resonate or click in my mind for me either. So I was really happy that you said that.
1: Yeah, it just it's just illogical, and um, when I saw the the film and saw the science behind it, it, it just all, it was like, yeah, that does make sense, and another reason that I was inclined to just give this a try, which is all I started with doing, was just giving it a try. I didn't make some sort of lifelong commitment to myself when I watched the film. It was just to say, let's try it for the a week or two, but another thing that attracted me to this, to try, was that I had actually been saying for the previous couple of years I would love to be a vegetarian but there's not enough for me to eat. I've always been a pretty picky eater and there's limited number of vegetables that I like and you know things like whole grains and quinoa and couscous and all of the things that, that those who eat a whole food plant-based diet subsist on those weren't even on my radar. Right. I I have had things in the last couple of years that I either had never had or even that I didn't even know existed before. And the reason that I had always said I would love to be vegetarian was for the animal welfare aspect of uh, veganism. You know, I, I have always been very compassionate towards animals, often more so towards animals than people. And <laughs> I, I have always felt an internal conflict between feeling this compassion towards all animals. Uh, you know, I rescue bugs from the house and throw them outside. I don't, I don't kill things. and never have. But to be eating dead animals or, mm-hmm. or you know, uh, excretions from animals, dairy. And that was always a conflict, but I had sort of chalked it up to, well, there's nothing else for me to eat. Otherwise, I'd love to try it. So watching this film and seeing them, you know, around the table at the end there and, and showing all of these different things that one can eat, I was like, you know what, there's no reason I can't try this for a couple weeks or at least the mm-hmm. rest of the month and just see what happens. If I lose right. weight, fantastic. Maybe there's something to it. I could finally... Act on this internal conflict I have about being compassionate towards animals yet eating them, and let's try it out. So it, everything just sort of fell in place and clicked, and it was it was at a point where th- there was nothing to lose. I certainly wasn't going to gain weight, and like there's nothing to lose. Why not? Why not try it and see what happens?
0: And I think I came to sort of that same feeling as you, as I too had always loved animals and I never, eating me animal products, it never really sit well with me, it didn't feel right. I, you described it as an internal conflict and that's exactly how it felt for me. I just hadn't thought of words before, but I was that same thing. And I sort of had the same idea too, is I, I loved potatoes and I loved rice and I, you know, my mouth would water just seeing them and I would never let myself have them because, you know, they make you fat and i but i always that's what i wanted to eat i always wanted to eat these grains and these potatoes and this corn and everyone's like oh it makes you fat makes you fat and finally i was like well you know i just i'm gonna eat it and if i gain another 10 pounds like whatever uh, i'll just figure out how to lose it but like i'm just gonna gonna try this and i remember the first time i kind of like ate a potato after i think having sworn them off for most of my life and i could have cried Right. And oh, absolutely. I remember thinking not only is this so good, but it was like I felt even in my body like it's finally getting what it wants.
1: Right. It's nourishing. You're, that, that nourishment is finally there, and I'm with you 100%. The, the idea that you can have all of these starches, all these starchy foods, which, of course, we're all drawn to because they satiate mm-hmm. us. That's what we're supposed to be eating. Um, as Dr. McDougall says, we're starchivores. The idea that you can eat these foods and and lose weight and be healthy – and avoid chronic disease and stop contributing to the destruction of our environment and save animals. It's like, this is a win-win yeah, or even like, a win-win-win-win. <laughs> yeah. There, there's no downside other than not eating these things that were making you, uh, making us sick. And, you know, did I enjoy a good steak? Sure. I absolutely did. Do I, did I, did I, and do I love the taste of salty cheese? Yes, I do. Um, do, I, do I miss meat? No, not one bit. I do miss cheese, and I think that one reason why it's so much easier to move to a plant-based diet, um, although some of, the, some of the what I'm about to say is violating the whole food plant-based diet, but there, the fact that there are so many fake um, vegan-friendly foods in all of the food groups I just mentioned, cheeses, milks, yogurts, meats... Breakfast meat, you know, dinner meats, you name it, makes it so that if you have some urge or desire to have uh, some cheese on a burger, um, or you don't want to be the person off in a corner at a, at a Fourth of July cookout, there's a there's a there's an app for that. There's a you know there's a solution yeah. for that, and that is to get a plant burger or open one of your books and find a recipe for your own plant burger and get some of the delicious albeit not terribly healthy vegan cheeses (laughs) that are on the market throw a slice on there and just get it out of your system and the next day back on the wagon and i can't tell you how many times that that i've done that we we did that yesterday we we did that recently um for memorial day i you know it was memorial day and i wanted to have that smoky cookout um taste in my mouth and so we did plant burgers on buns with ketchup and mustard and onions and lettuce and and some potatoes and (laughs) we were able to have that experience and the fact that it was a plant burger on the bun and not a piece of dead animals flesh on the bun never missed it never missed it at all so i'm able to have those cultural to, to have those experiences that i used to have and just switch out the meat for something else or switch out the cheese for uh... vegan cheese or switch out uh you know, milk in cereal or oatmeal with a plant-based milk, or I don't drink coffee, but my wife does, and just putting soy or almond or coconut milk in the coffee instead of cream, you just don't miss it, you know? It's the best of all possible worlds, in my opinion.
0: Yeah, I completely agree with you, and I am so glad that there are all these alternatives now. I think they're extremely helpful during transition, and I think that they're You know, they really fool people. I constantly feed them to my most omnivore relatives and skeptical omnivore friends, and they eat it, and half the time they don't even miss a beat. And it isn't until they see me eating it that they realize it had to have been vegan because (laughs) I wouldn't have eaten it. Um, And I love to tell a story where my mom made a pumpkin pie, and she, she didn't eat any. She didn't want her brother to know. And after he had his third piece, she's like, "Bill, you know, you really like that pumpkin pie." And he's like, "Oh, Lenore, it's the best pumpkin pie I've ever had. I can't stop eating it." And she's like, "Well, I don't know how to tell you this, but you just ate tofu."
1: That's great. I love it.
0: And he the face it was unbelievable. And then at that point, she served herself a piece. And um, but yeah, no, I've definitely noticed that too. And when I first you know transitioned to a vegan plant based diet, there was very little. I think there was like two. Patties in the freezer section of the grocery store, and now there's like an entire case of them. And I remember it was real hard for my husband because he loved cheese. And I often think, had there just been some non-dairy cheese substitutes out there, soy almond, as there are now, it would have been so much easier for him. But um, so I do think they're wonderful to have during transition, and they're nice to have, like you said, for these emotional treats. I was at a baseball game recently, and I can't tell you how excited I was to have a vegan hot dog at a baseball game. Healthy, no, but once a year, once or twice a year, I'm at a baseball game with my family. It's fun.
1: Absolutely. And those, those spoils, those treats, and those times to jump off the wagon, as long as you have the willpower to jump back on it, I think are very, very important. And I think that it it it, uh, it prevents us from having to try to strive for perfection and i know that you say over and over again progress not perfection and i think that it is very important to have those fail safes and i we have a, we're very fortunate we have a whole foods about 2 miles down the road here and the, any day of the week if if we're not cooking or it's been a bad day or we're just exhausted to know that I can drive down the road in five minutes and go to a hot, uh, you know, a hot bar, a prepared food bar, and find ten, twelve, fifteen, twenty different things that allow me to stay on my plan of never eating meat, dairy, eggs again for the rest of my life and have delicious food. If those fail safes are there, I am much, much less likely to ever slip and have something that's not vegan. So, if my fallback or slip up, quote unquote is going to be a greasy, cheesy plant burger and some tater tots instead of a steak or a hamburger or fried chicken. That is a trade-off I am more than willing to make because the day after I have that, first of all, anytime I have oily food at this point, the next day I'm just sluggish and slow anyway, yeah. so I don't feel good. So I want to get back to steamed broccoli or red lentil chili or something out of one of your cookbooks. I, I want to get back on the wagon. but But to be able to make my slip-ups, plant-based slip-ups, instead of non-vegan slip-ups, I think is super important.
0: I agree with you again completely, and it's so funny you were saying about how if you have that, you know, the vegan junkie burger, you immediately want broccoli the next day, and it's so funny, that's exactly what happened. So I was in San Francisco with my husband and everyone who works at Happy Herbivore, and we all have the, you know, the vegan hot dog at the baseball game, and it was such a fun treat. And the next day, all of us were, like, desperate for salads. All we wanted (laughs) was salads and vegetables, and we all felt sluggish. And a couple of us had some, like, not bad tummy troubles, but we just, we didn't feel our best. Right. And I remember as we're all, like, eating salads in San Francisco, in a place that's known for having incredible food, and lots of really high-class vegan restaurants, and all of us are like, where's the salad bar? I remember my one assistant looked at me, and she's like, you know – I am glad that we did that because it really kind of reminded me why I live and eat this way and that I'm not missing out and I'm really going to remember this experience and like how bad I want this salad right now and I'm not missing out anymore and I just thought that was such a very powerful like reflection that she had and she's 23 so this was like she's at the prime of her age when I was a junk fooder. And um, so it was really, but like you said, it was really neat. And I agree, if if, if my cheating involves eating some kind of vegan junk food, I'm, I'm worlds ahead of where I used to be.
1: <laughs> yeah, you and me both. And it happens. I mean, I, I, I'm the first to admit, I'm not, I'm not perfect. And people always say, oh, I could never do that. And I don't, I don't it, 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 at no point in the last year, as I've been fortunate enough to, to get some press and do some interviews and have people ask a lot of questions, I never claimed to be 100%. Compliant because if I said that, it would be untrue. Mm -hmm. And also, people are not going to be able to follow an example if they think that the example is 100%. It's just there may be people who are like that. You know, Chef AJ always says that there's only one perfect man, and it's Alan Goldhammer. And (laughs) that he never slips up, never cheats, never does anything, never has oil, never has processed food. And if that's true, more power to him. I am not that person. Me either. But, But I think that I'm fortunate enough to be someone who is definitely able to climb back on the wagon immediately after one meal or one day if that's what's necessary so if i put on two or three pounds or five pounds you know i'm just going to get back on the wagon and stick to some steamed vegetables and stay away from nuts and processed food until i go back to the number that i'm comfortable with so yeah I, i i think it's important and just vitally important that we all have that uh fallback to be able to stay true to our um, philosophical commitment and an emotional commitment to all of the other reasons that we eat this way other than just nutrition. So that if the nutritional part slips up now and again, and it does, we're able to still be, be able to say, Hey, I'm still vegan. I've never put any meat, dairy or eggs in my mouth since date X. And I'm pleased to be able to say that.
0: Right, and, um, and even if you don't, even if you slip up and you do have you know products, that's fine. You know, you can forgive yourself and just use it as a lesson learned. And a lot of people that do that um, with our members, they frequently will say that. They'll go and they'll have something and the, their stomach will really hurt and they'll feel really terrible. You know, much worse than you or I who just suddenly wants to eat vegetables. Um, you know, they're really experiencing some bad feelings in their body. And so, um, I, and that can be powerful. And I say, okay, remember this. The next time you feel tempted or... You know, you you start questioning yourself. Remember how you felt in this moment. And that is often what carries them through for years and years and years to come. And it's one of the reasons why I'm so passionate about progress, not perfection, because there are days that I'm perfect. You know, I, I think I could rival Alan. And then there are days that I am a, more of I'm a progress.
1: Right. Um, yeah.
0: And I mean, in a perfect world, I would grow my own tomatoes and make my marinara sauce myself, but sometimes I have a really hard day and I come home and I open up a bottle of jarred marinara sauce in my pantry and maybe it has some sugar or maybe it has, you know, something else in it that's not as healthy as I would like, but it's, it's a lot better than hitting the Wendy's drive-thru like I used to do.
1: Absolutely. Although I'll tell you what, I I think that it's a blessing that Wendy's is all over this country because Wendy's has those baked potatoes. Oh yes, I know. I
0: was just you can be that. you <laughs> can be
1: anywhere in the country, and I'll, yeah, I, we were in Marshall, Texas, of all places, at the at, at their health fest in the last few months. And um, you know, there are certainly a lot of restaurants that were doing vegan stuff, but they weren't super healthy. And um, my wife and I were driving back to the hotel, trying to figure out what we were going to get. I can assure you, there are no super healthy. Uh, not a lot of organic produce floating around Marshall, Texas, and um we passed a Wendy's. I said, you know, we'd never do it, but, you know, Wendy's has those baked potatoes, those uh-huh. big fluffy potatoes, and so we ended up eating in the hotel some salsa from a Walmart on a baked potato from a Wendy's, and it was a delicious meal, and anywhere there's a Wendy's, you can easily have a compliant meal.
0: Right, and there's usually a gas station near a Wendy's that would sell the salsa if, right. if there's not a Walmart, because I do that. Yeah, it's funny. I, when we were driving back from San Francisco to LA, my team and I and we, you know, been in San Francisco a few days. It was amazing. All of us eat potatoes on a regular basis like every day. And um, we hadn't had them there cuz we were sampling this or eating that, and we all were stalking the highway exits looking for Wendy's cuz we all wanted potatoes that bad.
1: Let's let's all uh, let's hope that that they never get rid of those. They've been on the menu I think since the 1980s, so yeah, hopefully I don't, they'll I don't
0: think that they will and i hope that they don't they had sweet potatoes for a while which was exciting and those didn't didn't stay there's didn't take yeah the regular potatoes do and they also have salad there too but we were all like "Wow, oh, i need a-. and my husband was laughing he's like i knew we should have just put the pressure cooker and a bag of potatoes in the back of the car and i was like yes we should have
1: <laughs> yeah that, but we were all right.
0: it had been like four days but we all were like we wanted to feel that satiation and that it's just there's something about eating a potato that i feel like just nourishes you in a way other things don't and we were all like i want a potato Agreed, and um, yep. sadly there was no wendy's on the five and i was like dying and so i came home and the first thing i did was i made potatoes
1: that's funny that's great
0: but um but you know one thing is i don't think you told us how much weight you lost total which is amazing
1: um i lost 130 pounds
0: it's a crazy
1: about Just over half my body weight, by a pound or two, and uh, yeah, uh, it's it's really exciting. And as I never really had a hard goal, um, I would just I I went in phased, I went in staged goals. So when I started, my goal was to get down to my wedding weight, which was 204, and just sort of experience that and feel it and reassess. And I got there, and it was clear that I had quite a ways to go. And so I said, all right, I'm going to shoot for 180 see how that feels Mm -hmm. and hit 180 and then it was 165 and then it was 150 and from 150 down I just sort of continued to go until I felt like it was about that uh, until it was about time and to be honest I would be happiest a little bit below 130 more like 122, 123 but my body has sort of settled in closer to 130, 132 so uh, I lost 130 pounds my I think my equilibrium sort of kicked in and put five or six pounds back on, which is probably going to be around where I stay. Um, but, you know, perfect world, I would love to be about 10 pounds uh, lighter than I am right now.
0: And that's one thing that I've noticed with myself and a lot of our members, too, is we often will pick a number, and it's, it ends up being kind of arbitrary. And I, my favorite thing to tell people is, Forever, you know, I wanted to be 120 or 130 pounds like I don't know where I got these numbers from but it was like Just my obsession and Mm -hmm. I would just keep trying and trying and trying but the truth is is I just wanted to fit in this pair of jeans I bought this pair of jeans 10 years ago. It was a limited edition They were never gonna make them again And the last pair was two sizes too small and at that point in my life I was pretty overweight and so I knew I have to lose weight. I'll fit into these jeans at some point point. Um, And so I carried them around for 10 years trying to fit these jeans. And when I finally did get in the jeans, thanks to a plant, you know, a plant-based diet and following meal mentor meal plans, um, I was 130 pounds, not the 120 that I so longed for. And I realized, and I I still, like you, I was like, oh, I still want to get there. I want to get there. And my body just kind of finally leveled out. And it's no matter how perfect I eat, no matter how much I exercise, I, I don't get down to that that weight, um, I realized, okay, I really ended up getting what I wanted. I feel great. I feel the best of my life. I'm super healthy, and I fit in those dang jeans.
1: Right, right.
0: <laughs> so, but I do like that you had those benchmarks where like, okay, I'm going to, because you have to have something to start with, but I do Absolutely, to yeah, tell people, it, don't get too obsessed with, no. you know, something because um, there, there's other ways to quantify your goal. Yeah,
1: I, I just, I'm just more comfortable not making absolute declarations and, uh, if my initial goal was 130 pounds, that's an awfully big mountain to climb Right. Mm-hmm. by doing it in smaller chunks and just saying, oh, I'll see how I feel. Yeah. Uh, I love it that. it made it a lot more achievable.
0: Yeah. Cause it does feel like, it's like you said, this big mountain, you lost half yourself. You're half of what yeah. you used to be. And to set that out as a goal right out of the way, I think would overwhelm anybody, even the most rigorous motivated person. Absolutely.
1: The, yeah. You can't get off the down. couch. Mm-hmm. If, you say, if you decide that you're going to do something or you're about to start a, a goal until, and the, the goal is to lose half of your weight, you're not going to get off the couch. I would not have gotten off the couch. Right. That, was not, that wasn't the, the goal. That, wasn't the, that was never the plan, and it's just sort of what it turned into be.
0: And it's sort of like if you decide to run a marathon, which is over 26 miles, very, very, very long, um, you're not going to get up and run 26 miles tomorrow. No. You know, you're going to get up and maybe you're going to walk half a mile. Maybe you're at the level where you could run a mile, but you got to get there. And a lot of times in any kind of training programs, if you look at marathon training programs, it isn't until like four and five and six months later that you're running even 15 miles, which is half the marathon. So I love that you did that with yourself. Like, okay, I'm going to do this and then this benchmark and then this. And and at at every point you could have stopped and said, this is enough for me, but it wasn't for you
1: and i certainly that was my plan i mean i i'm i'm not kidding when i say that I, my plan was to sort of see how fill in the blank number feels i mean that i never 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 planned or imagined or dreamed um that the final number would be what it is in fact i had always said to my wife you know i I my goal is not to be thin. I, I will never be thin. I'm not built to be thin. My family are not none of us are razor thin. I mean none of no one was as big as I was, but I will never be a thin person. I will be satisfied to be quote unquote normal, con, con, you know, c, uh what the government considers to be quote unquote normal. And normal according to the government is about 150 and I that, I thought that was excessive. I was like, man, if I could get 170, 175 That'll be the lowest I've been since before high school, and beggars can't be choosers. Enough is enough. And um, it just was never in my wildest imagination that I would be where I am now, which is, you know, I I wear, depending on the week, either a 29 or 30 waist and a 36 short tailor-cut suit. And, you know, I, I was buying the clothes that were all the way to the right of the rack, and... Now I'm buying the stuff that is the smallest in the store. And sometimes right. there are stores that don't even carry things small enough.
0: I'm running into that too with clothing. Sometimes I'll buy like an extra small and it's still a little bit big on me. And I'm like, but in Europe, I'm not an extra small by any means. But I just think it's the difference in America. But my Oh yeah, there's, had, a, there's a
1: reason for that.
0: Yeah. And my husband had uh, the same thing as you is, you know, he, I don't remember what his biggest was, like 240, 250, something like that. And um, he was 200 pounds is what he said. Oh, I could be 200 pounds. If I could be 200 pounds. And he got to 200 pounds and he's like, I'm still kind of fat. Like, you know, I'm not really thin. I'm still, I don't even have a healthy BMI. And um, I was like, well, according to this chart on the internet, it says you should be like 185 for your height. My husband's almost six feet tall. And so um, he's like, oh, I can't even imagine being 100." No, that's crazy. Then he got to that weight. <laughs> and he was like, oh. And he's like, well, I actually, I think I could still lose some more. And I think he's about 165, 170 now. And he's, he's lean. And, but he's not, he's like you, he's never going to be like a super thin wavy person. He's, he's a bigger, be you know, like dude, but, um, it was the same thing. He never, if you would have told him, you know, back when he was 250 pounds, like, Hey, you're going to get down to 170. He would have been like, what? That's impossible. I would be dead.
1: Yeah. I, I felt <laughs> exactly the same it. way. Yeah. Yeah. And, and there were certainly times along the way when I was plus about 20 or 30 pounds where, you know, people started to tell you. This is a whole other conversation, but people start to tell you, oh, you're losing too much. Oh, you've got to stop. I'm concerned. I'm worried. It's like, no, that I am not where I'm supposed to be. Humans are supposed to be lean. And th- that's, you know, no, I'm I'm not going to stop. And no, I'm not supposed to be so-and-so. Typically, the people who say that are people who are concerned about their own weight. But yeah. that's a whole, that's a whole, that's a psychological discussion.
0: No, and it's absolutely true. And I th- I'm glad you brought that up because I've heard that too. You've lost too much or You're losing too much weight. How much do you weigh? And I think a lot of the time the people that are saying it have some sort of jealousy or have some concern with their own weight. But, um, and also I think there's just, because obesity is so prevalent in our society now, I think that a lot of times when you are thin, it's because you just look so different that people think you're too thin even though you aren't. And that was something that was really shocking to me. I live in Europe for part of the year and I also spent last year in Asia. And when I would come back to the United States, I remember having to sort of, I was shocked initially and had to almost readjust myself because I had been around all these very petite, small people and now I wasn't. And when I was in Europe or Asia, I felt equal or slightly larger than a lot of them. And then I came here and I suddenly was very like self-conscious of my smallness.
1: Yeah, it's it's what happens in this country is so different than everywhere else, and of course, everyone else has it right, and we have it wrong. And like we were just saying with the clothing sizes, mm-hmm. I mean, the the clothes. It's not that we fit into uh, smaller clothes here; it's that the clothing companies have sized up everything to make mm-hmm. people feel better about vanity themselves. Vanity sizing, yeah. Yeah, it's vanity sizing. So when I buy a small collared shirt, which is basically my uniform, collared shirt and shorts during the summer and collared shirt and jeans in the winter. When I go buy a small collared shirt at a certain department store, I can swim in it. Mm-hmm. But if I go to another brand and get a small shirt and make maybe a tailored cut, it actually fits. And some of them are a little snug, even, you know, even today. But what is small in America is not really small, and that's so that people, like you said, vanity sizing, people will buy things like, oh, I'm a, I'm a medium. Well, you're not a medium. They just put a medium <laughs> tag on there so that you'll feel good about the shirt and buy it. But
0: Right. Like, when I was in Europe and Asia, I was constantly buying like mediums, and even sometimes if it was, like, a tighter thing, it would be, like, a large if it was really stretchy. And here in America, um, extra, extra smalls can sometimes be too big on me. And I'm like, there's no way. I... An extra extra small is like an eleven year old. I'm yeah. five seven, 33 years old. <laughs> like, I am a two, but I am like you said, and it's it's funny because it's the same thing in stores. If I go to an a, like a European store, like an H and M, I find I end up a lot of times do buying the bigger size, um, but not in the like American stores, like a Gap.
1: Right, and then you walk into Costco. I love Costco. My wife hates it when I say this because it she doesn't like the way that it makes me look. But I like a deal. I love Costco. You go to Costco, and a lot most of the men's stuff that they carry there start in a medium, and oh. the jeans start at a thirty four sometimes. And I'll I can't. See if my
0: husband wouldn't be able to shop there either
1: because he's like a thirty two. I, I can't. There, I mean, I wear I'm wearing twenty nines and thirties. I can't, and there are no small shirts. And so now I can't. You know, I used to not be able to buy at Costco because they didn't sell clothes big enough, and now I can't buy stuff at Costco because they're not small enough. My wife would say, that's a good thing. Don't buy your clothes at Costco.
0: <laughs> yeah. My husband, it was a funny thing. He had a, a long time where he was buying like extra, when he was really big, he was at it buying extra larges, but he had a few larges that they didn't really fit when he was at his biggest because he was too big, but he loved them so much that he kept them and he still fits in them and they stay at large. But now if I go to the exact same store where this shirt is from, and like I said, this shirt's like 10, 15 years old, um, it, he can't wear the larges. He's in the small mediums now from the same store.
1: Right. Right,
0: um, and and it it's just it's so funny because I'll like be washing his clothes and most of his stuff now is a medium even though he's six feet tall um, and he's you know kind of muscular but uh, the larges even though he bought larges ten years ago at the same weight it when he was like in high school basically are just it's so funny and I'm just and I have the same thing I have a couple of pairs of like dresses or pants or skirts from when I was in college. And the size is bigger than what I wear now, even though it's not necessarily a bigger item of clothing on my body. But,
1: and then uh, something.
0: Yeah, it's definitely, it's, oh, it's a crazy thing, but uh, yeah, it's definitely. And that's one thing I'm always telling my mom. Cause she's, all of our family is morbidly obese, very overweight, and, and so she'll, she's lost, my parents have both lost 40 pounds since going plant-based, and they look great, and their family will say, oh, how much do you know you've lost too much, Or they'll be like, oh, Lindsay's looking really thin, and my, of course, my mom's like, my daughter talks about nutrition for life. She knows what's healthy, um, and I'm like, just, they're just, I just look so different from them that I'm sh- rocking the boat, so don't, don't let it get to you.
1: Right, right.
0: So moving on, we've had a lot of fun talking about um, weight loss and sizing. This whole journey for you, and it's been so amazing because you had basically given up, you tried every diet, you watched a movie, and it changed your life. Not just in that you've lost half yourself, which is incredible, but it's really kind of become a career for you. You've really gotten involved with outreach, now you're putting on this amazing all-star conference in Atlanta, which I, I can't wait, I'm counting the days. It's gonna be such a blast. But
1: how did this happen? Like what made you do this? Why? How? Why? How? Where? Why? Yeah. you know, I definitely had a passion um, for plant-based living and the more I learned and the more lectures I saw and, and we attended conferences, we attended a couple of Jeff Nelson's conferences on the west coast in the last couple years where I had been watching the videos from his conferences and so in the fall of 2013 I said you know what we could just jump on a plane and go to the next one and when I saw that Dr. Esselstyn was appearing at that one um, I said I I want a chance to see him while he's still speaking publicly and who knows how long that'll be hopefully it'll be for twenty more years but (laughs) Uh, we decided to get on an airplane and go. And then this past fall in in fall of 2014, we went a second time and I think it was on the ride back, which is a long flight from Los Angeles. And um, I was just thinking, you know, there's nothing like this in the South and we desperately need this information and advice in the South. Southerners are fat and sick and more so probably than any other region of the country. And this is exactly where this information needs to be disseminated, and it's not. There there are no major plant-based nutrition conferences here like there are on the West Coast and there are in the Northwest and, and other major cities in the Northeast. We ha- we do have local veg fests, as most cities do, but they are not health-oriented at all. Mm-hmm. And while I think that it's wonderful from a... Um, uh, from a vegan standpoint and vegetarian standpoint, they're not health-promoting conferences by any stretch. And I wanted to bring here what is so common on the West Coast, which is these plant-based conferences where all of these leaders and pioneers and teachers and, and surgeons and cookbook authors and celebrity chefs could teach, could could be in one place so that not only for people who already live this way could attend and see some of these pioneers speak in person, but also so that we could outreach to reach out to the community and try to educate people and, and, and welcome members of the medical community. And in my wild dreams, I wanted to have it be qualified for continuing medical education from a prestigious medical school, which we have achieved. And I mean, um, so, you know, I, I call myself a serial entrepreneur in that I have lots of different businesses. I have had lots of different businesses in the past. Um, I'm like a cat, except instead of Nine Lives, I've probably had nine different businesses or careers. And so I felt pretty good about the opportunity to lay a brand on this thing and make good – make a good logo and book a good venue and then reach out to some of these speakers who had, who at least know my name, although I don't have personal relationships with many of them, and just see if I could get a handful of them to do this once and it be successful and sort of steamroll it in future years. And to be honest, since starting the, the planning process in November, it's just sort of has steamrolled and taken on a life of its own. And uh, at this point, the conference is selling very, very well, and we're still several months out. We have 16 fabulous speakers booked. We have a fantastic venue of the Emory Conference Center Hotel. We are accredited for CMEs through the Emory University School of Medicine, which is a a very prestigious med school here in the South. Um, We are accredited by the Academy of Nutrition and Dietetics, uh, so that nutritionists and dieticians can get their continuing ed credits as well. And uh, just I could not be more excited at the lineup and have just been blown away by the number of yeses I've gotten from the invites that we've thrown out for faculty members, including yourself. You know, we, we were hoping that we would get a handful and that maybe we'd get 50 percent yeses. And it's gotten to the point where the agenda is completely full and I have five or six speakers jumping up and down wanting to speak and I'm, I'm out of space
0: yeah that's amazing and I um, I'm really excited I haven't seen Dr. Campbell or Dr. Esselstyn in a while and you know we're friends and um, I'm I have a lot of gratitude for them because when my dad had a heart attack which is why my parents went plant-based you know Dr. Esselstyn actually called my dad in the hospital and I was like oh this is the day I'm so glad to be happy here before But but um, you know I can't even remember the last time all of us were together at a conference speaking and I feel like you have all of us and I, I really can't think of a time when we were all speaking at the same thing. It's usually like one of them one of them right. is like the keynote, and that's it and it's everybody is going to be at this conference
1: i'm I'm excited about it you know you know dr campbell is is not uh going to be in attendance unfortunately he's planning to be oh, overseas no. but but we do have two we have two campbells in attendance we have um, we have his son Nelson, who is the director of the film uh, Plant Pure oh, Nature. Tom.
0: Tom's awesome. I and
1: Tom, him. yeah, and his son Tom, who is a great speaker as well. So, the, yeah. although Dr. Campbell won't be here, another Dr. Campbell will be yeah. here, and his brother, and the Campbell family will definitely be represented well. Uh, we have three of the Esselstons. We don't have Rip, but we do have Dr. Esselston, and we have Anne and Jane will be here. Oh, and
0: they're also amazing. I love Anne and Jane.
1: Yeah, they're they're just fantastic, and uh, you know there are some some up and comers I'm excited about too. Um, certainly not an up and comer in achievement, but an up and comer as far as plant based nutrition and and being on the forefront and on the public uh, in public visibility is Dr. Williams, Dr. Kim Williams, who is the current president of the American College of Cardiology and is the first vegan president of the ACA. That's who hilarious. were just
0: his talk's going to be awesome.
1: He's going to be fantastic, and Dr. Gregor. people love Dr. Oh, Gregor. Oh, I,
0: I could watch him talk all day long.
1: Me too. Oh, I love seeing him. He's, and he's,
0: like the best, he's such a great speaker, and he, he makes it interesting, and his slides are always like, oh, my God, that's so cool. He's just he's really awesome.
1: I love him. I agree. We're, we're excited to have Rich Roll. That was a huge get for us late in the game. He was our last, I think, our last one that we pinned down to have Rich – Speak as a as an ultra endurance athlete. Very excited to have him here, um, and then some up and comers. I the, when I think up and comer, the one that continues to that that every time I I look at the lineup and I look at this person pass by, I just think rock star in training, rock star in training, <laughs> and that's Robert Osvald. And um, you know he he hasn't been speaking at these events for very long, but just in the last couple of years since we saw him, to when we saw him speak in marshall texas a few months ago he is really developing as a speaker he's a young cardiologist from uh... new york he is has a program at montefiore in the bronx and is a uh... professor at albert einstein college of medicine and just so well schooled so well spoken um, and definitely one of the up-and-comers in what we do um, so excited to have dr osfeld you, of course, as I as we've said a couple times, we're so excited to have you here because you don't make that many public appearances. At, no, as, I
0: don't. Yeah, I usually say no. Well, I don't mean to say no. It's just I usually can't go. So I was really, I, I bet backwards to be able to go to this conference because I was like, I'm going to go no matter what. I don't care what I have to cancel, where I can't travel. And I, I had to move around some photo shoots, but I was like, I'm going. I'm not missing this conference.
1: And we're excited. We're, we're, I'm so excited that you'll be there. Um, and someone else that uh, sort of in your realm as far as cookbooks and on the speaking circuit is Chef AJ, who is a good friend who I love. And
0: she's a good friend of mine too. I love her. I hope we get to fly down together.
1: Yeah, that would be great. Um, Terry Mason, who um, is with the Cook County Health and Hospital System in Chicago, who made a brief appearance in Forks Over Knives, amazing. is a urologist. Oh, yeah. He's he's wonderful, and doc, the aforementioned only perfect man, Doctor Alan Goldhammer, will be here.
0: <laughs> Who and he also doesn't do a lot of speaking, so it's rare to. Well, to see and him he too. is
1: really, you know, you talk about bending over backwards to be here. Doctor Goldhammer was already booked to do Vegfest in Portland that weekend, and um, asked if asked me. If I would be okay if he got on the red eye Saturday night in Portland, arriving Sunday morning, and if he could speak on Sunday late morning, early afternoon. So he's going to be in Portland Saturday, fly all night to get here on Sunday. Hopefully he'll sleep on that plane and speak with us Sunday, and I hope that he'll let us put him up at least for a night Sunday night to catch up on sleep before he goes all the way home. So that's exciting. And also talking about people coming from a very long way, uh, Brenda Davis, who is coming all the way from British Columbia, who was a wonderful RD. She uh,
0: I love her too.
1: So, and then uh, we talked about the Campbells. And then one thing we're also excited about on Saturday morning and Sunday morning, John Pierre, who is the so-called trainer to the stars. He's Ellen DeGeneres's trainer, Pamela Anderson's trainer. Um, He's going to be doing uh, one of his boot camps on both mornings for anyone that wants to, no additional charge. Um, And you'll be able to train with and do the same workout that that Ellen's staff is doing on a regular basis and that Pamela Anderson and a number of other celebrities in Los Angeles with with JP, with Jean-Pierre. And he'll also be doing, in addition to the boot camps, a presentation as well during the weekend. So we're excited to have him here as well. So just... Could not be more excited about the lineup. I think I covered everyone. Ex- oh, I'm sorry. There's two more. Dr. Richard Oppenlander.
0: Oh, I, he's my, oh, okay. Him and Gregor are my two favorite speakers. I can't pick between the two of them. He's, oh, I love listening to him speak too. And it's always environmental, which is so it is. inspiring.
1: He's going to be talking on food choice and sustainability. And I've seen him speak on the internet um, several times and was just blown away and read both of his books. And the books are fantastic. So thrilled that he'll be there, and then the last person I didn't mention was Dr. Baxter Montgomery from Houston.
0: I love him too. Yeah, this is, I love everybody. Everyone there is a speaker that I've I've seen and want to see again. And um, JP has worked me out, so I can attest to his his voice. Oh great! Yeah, great. I'm excited to see him. We uh, we when he's in LA, I see him a lot, and also in Vegas. But um, yeah, he he's really kind of helped me find a new level with sort of how I treat my body in terms of, like, physical physique. And he just does it in a way that's not abrasive. It's not like a boot camp where he's yelling at you. He really empowers you to want to be stronger.
1: Yeah, I, I, I can't wait for him to uh, be able to share that info. And, and uh, no, he definitely is not the yelling and screaming type, I can tell. Yeah,
0: he's such a <laughs> But um, so one thing that's amazing is right now, Benji is offering a early bird special. And if you sign up with the code HERBIE, H-E-R-B-I-E, you'll also get another 150 off. Maybe you can explain this a little bit better to us, Benji.
1: Sure. So um, right now, the list price for the weekend, which is all meals included, by the way, uh, so Friday afternoon, all day Saturday on Sunday till late afternoon, breakfast, lunch, and dinner on Saturday, dinner Friday and breakfast and lunch on Sunday, so six full buffet plant-based meals. All the education, the boot camps we just talked about. Um, our list price for the entire weekend is seven forty-nine, and through June fifteenth, everybody is offered a hundred dollars off for early bird savings, which brings the price down to six forty-nine. And then, if you use Lindsay's um, coupon code at checkout, Herbie H E R B I E that's good for another $150 off which brings the price below $500 for the entire weekend. Which, which we think very is
0: very low compared to other conferences. That I, I, I think it it's is. It's extremely low and those ones don't even usually have food.
1: That's, yeah, we, we feel like we were able to price it um, at, at a really competitive price so that as many people could get here as possible. So, and you're basically
0: G- saving like a third of the price if you sign up. It is. It's a
1: full one-third off. If you, if you use if you use uh, Lindsay's code And also take advantage of the early bird savings through June 15th. You are saving a full third off of those tickets. And then after June 15th, the early bird savings will go away, but you'll still be able to save the $150 by using that Herbie discount code at checkout all the way until either we sell out, which is not going to happen because this place holds a lot of people, or, you know, all the way till right before... I don't
0: know. As much as selling already i think it might sell
1: out well i hope it does listen that would be a great problem to have it wouldn't be great for people that didn't have their tickets yet but it would be great for our event and certainly would ensure that we're able to do um, some really amazing events in the future if it if it is that successful so uh that 150 fifty dollar discount is good as long as we sell tickets i'll just say that and um you sort of tag team that on with the hundred dollar early bird discount through the 15th and you're saving one third off the ticket.
0: And one thing that's kind of a surprise, but we can tell all of the listeners, is my parents are actually going to be there, and they don't
1: make public appearances ever. Which so, is so exciting. That's going to be a lot of fun. Yeah, right?
0: and so they're going to be there, and they're going to also help me with my presentation, and they're going to talk a little bit, but um, they are dying to meet everybody, all of the fans, all of the people, and they want to inspire others with their own story, too, And so, but they don't they don't come out and do it. They're, they're not in this public realm they're very private people but they they when they heard about the conference and they never want to come with me because I ask sometimes you want to come no no I can get you a ticket no I want to go there can we go please we'll, we'll volunteer just to be able to go and I was like oh I'll ask Benji I'm sure he'll say yes and so I'm glad you did and they're so excited to come and, and help and speak and inspire
1: and and we're excited to have them here that'll be a lot of fun
0: yeah, and the one thing, I guess, to sort of end this amazing podcast, it's been so fun having you, Benji, is um, for someone who wants to do outreach on a smaller scale, maybe they, they don't want to do a big, amazing conference like you, what's something someone can do in their community?
1: Wow. Um, that's a good question. You know, <laughs> I, I think that You just go of,
0: big or go home. <laughs>
1: yeah, well, uh, <laughs> that may be my personal uh, thing, but uh, certainly that's not everybody's thing. You know, I, I think that um, there's so many resources available on Dr. Barnard's site on pcrm.org and I think that his Food for Life program has helped a lot of people reach out to the community without going huge, you know, by becoming qualified as a and you may know more about the Food for Life program than I do, but my understanding is you sort of take a training program and then once you're uh, accredited as a Food for Life instructor, you're able to teach classes to the public and teach this way of living, but actually be hands-on and teach how to cook. Is that your understanding?
0: I, yeah, I don't know a ton more than you, but that sounds right.
1: Yeah, I mean, I, I think that sounds, for, for people who love to cook and who love to teach and share, that, I think that's a, good, that's a good way to start. And of course, the other, the other way to reach out in a small way is just be an example. I think that living this way and and people who see me, it it happened less than an hour before we started speaking to someone who um, had not seen me in a while. And anytime anyone sees me who hasn't seen me in a year, especially since I even started this, um, there is a conversation that ensues about what happened. How did you lose that much weight? How much have you lost? How did you do it? And inevitably, the conversation turns to plant-based living. Oh, you know. How did, why did you do that? Why, I could never do that. What about your protein? Where do you get your calcium? The same questions that we all answer all the time from friends and family. And I, I think by reaching out on, a, on an individual basis when people ask you the questions, um, I think we're all affecting change by example even more so than we could by trying to just to throw ourselves out there and say, hey, you should all do what I do. Because people get very uh, finicky and touchy when you start talking about what they eat. I don't know why that is that people yeah, are so sensitive about what they personal. eat. Very personal,
0: yeah. I think people feel like they're, you're taking something from them or, I don't know. Something. Yeah, I
1: very well could be. But exact. yeah,
0: leading by example is great. Um, if, if you belong to a church, I've found some people have luck with church potlucks and it, it like you said, it just opens that opportunity to have that conversation. Every time someone asks you a question, even if it annoys the crap out of you, which it does after a while, it is an opportunity to educate as you said and plant a seed.
1: Literally. Yeah. Yeah. So thank Absolutely. you
0: so much, Benji, for being on the podcast today. It's, and for more information, we can just go to Food Over. How, what's the exact domain for the conference? It's
1: the domain is Food As Medicine. There we go. Food as I was going to say food Eat as but I knew that was wrong.
0: Food is Medicine. H E R B I E to save one hundred and fifty. Sign up today and get another hundred dollars off. And you'll see me and my parents and Benji and a whole all star cast of all of my truly favorite speakers. There's not going to be one bad seed, bad speaker in the house. It's going to be amazing. Thank you again, and if you want to learn more about Meal Mentor, visit GetMealPlans.com.